Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Say it with your chest. Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Make sure before we get started that you subscribe and or follow, depending on where you listen to the podcast, and you leave a rate and review if you're on Apple Podcasts as well. As we always say, it is greatly appreciated, and it really helps us out here at Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For today's podcast, we're joined by two of the hosts of Pro Pels Talk, a podcast that's hosted in Louisiana by Brute Crew Media. Justin Napoli and Ross Tevino stopped by for today's show these two guys know they're pelicans i'm sure we could have talked for two three four hours about the pelicans if we really wanted to but they stopped by we talked a little bit about how drew could get traded this offseason what those packages could look like the the coach search and plenty more so here's our conversation with ross Tevino and justin napoli of propels talk And we are joined by Justin Appley and Ross Teveno of Propel's Talk, creators of Boot Crew Media. I just got done running, so I'm breathing heavily and sweaty. They just got done watching the New Orleans Saints, so they might feel a little bit the same. It was a it was an easy win tonight, but uh, how you guys feeling after that Saints win? Oh, we're good, man. Thanks for uh, having us. You know, the Saints uh, started off slow, but you know, it, it, the South belongs to the Saints. I'm not worried about Tom Brady or Gronkowski or whoever. <laughs> The Saints own the the Saints own the division. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, that that thing was in hand basically after like the third drive of the game. We're we're good to go. <laughs> plus, uh, plus my Tulane Greenway pulled out just an, an absurd comeback victory yesterday. So I'm feeling pretty strong. <laughs> glad to hear you guys are doing well. Uh, glad we're coming off a Saints win. I told uh, Justin right before we started, Ross, you haven't heard this yet, but I, I might have talked about it once or twice in the podcast. I've been on. Uh, 1420 with ESPN, uh, word with G, and I've mentioned that I am a closeted Chargers fan, so I didn't get to watch much of that Saints game. But I am, I, you know, we're, we're repping the Pels, got to rep the Saints too. <laughs> yeah, that, was a, that, was a, that was a wild finish in that game. So, uh, yeah, congrats on the, the Charger win. Yeah, against the Bengals. So, uh, we'll see how this season goes. Tyrod Taylor at the helm. We, uh, I don't know. But uh, getting into today's episode, for you guys – you host Propel's Talk. Awesome podcast. I love when you guys drop a podcast. I legitimately get excited much more than I do for a lot of other podcasts. You guys do great stuff over there. You've had some really cool guests in the past. So anything coming up for you guys? I know your last episode you recorded, uh, you talked about the search for a coach in New Orleans. Do you, have, do you guys have a plan for your next episode? Anything going on right now? Yeah, it's, it's funny you bring that up, Elliot. Uh, I know Ross and our, our third guy, Stephen, have been chomping at the bit to do a podcast. And I told them that we're not going to do one until we get a new coach because until we get a new coach, there's nothing really to talk about right now. Uh, I think I think moving forward, this is the first move you got to make. Uh, you know, it obviously didn't work out with Gentry and David Griffin's going to go get his guy. So I'm waiting for 
a new coach to be hired. Ross, I, you might think differently, though. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like our um, our executives are, are moving real fast to, to hire a coach. So who knows how long we'll go uh, before we do our next one, if if that's the strategy Justin's going to hold us to. <laughs> I've heard, I heard rumors that they were going to wait till just a little bit before the draft to hire somebody. And that's in October. Wow. So it might be a little while, fellas. Wow. Yeah. Really? I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in love with that approach. I think, you know, with a young team, the sooner you can get somebody in the better. I mean, you don't want to make the wrong choice in the, in the, uh, in the interest of hastiness, but I wish we had um, moved to hair faster too. Cause I think as more teams, obviously, as you're seeing, you know, the Rockets, uh, Dan Tony saying he's not coming back. Um, so while there's going to be more coaches potentially in that field to choose from, you're going to have more teams vying for a head coach. So I don't know. I don't love the position that it puts us in, but nonetheless, here we are. There's going to be a lot of teams that are ready to go and hire their head coach here soon, especially now with Dan Tony available, the bulls are looking the, I mean, they're not going to go after Dan Tony more than likely, and he wouldn't want to sign there, but I mean, the Pacers are, are available. The 76ers are looking for a head coach. It's going to start. And once it starts, people are going to, I'm sure front offices are going to panic and at least to some degree, maybe not Griffin, but at least to some degree to, to get their coach in. Uh, heard a rumor today as well on Twitter. I'm sure you guys saw it that Dan Tony would be a top choice for the Pelicans uh, to be brought into New Orleans. I am not a fan in the slightest. How do you guys feel about that? Um, well, before I answer that question, Elliot, I also saw an interesting candidate just now. Uh, Sam Cassell may be a big target for the Houston Rockets, which I think could make a lot of sense. But uh, I disagree with Dan Tony coming to New Orleans because he brings the same philosophy as he did Gentry. So uh, I don't really necessarily understand the hire or – you know, I don't know why we would go after that, but, you know, he's a great offensive mind. He's a winning basketball coach, unlike Gentry uh, in his past. You know, he's done some great stuff with the Houston Rockets. And to be honest with you, I, their small ball would never work. Uh, I think Kobe said it best a year ago. I think he did an interview with T-Mac. Uh, he loves James Harden, but he knows the way the Rockets play. They're, they can't win a seven-game series, and it, it failed. Uh, it, you, we can put that stamp on it. That philosophy failed. It was great in the regular season. It got them in past the first round. But when you find a Lakers, a Clippers, you know, even like a Heat or a Celtics that can really hone in defensively uh, and bully and play basically bully ball, that's that's what happens. Yeah, I, I pretty much, you know, agree with everything you just said. I, I don't – I think that uh, – I think it's a gimmick. Um, and, and, I mean, the small ball, they, they took it to another level, obviously, about halfway through this year when they traded Capella. But – um, I think in general, just playing that fast, it, it gets a little tough. And, and it's also just so reliant on having, um, you know, a James Harden type of player, which, you know, the Pelicans don't have. I, I don't think D'Antoni has a real great track record of developing young guys either. He was obviously successful with the Suns where you had Steve Nash and Stoudemire and he was successful in Houston where you've had some really, really good players, a bunch of all-stars. I, you know, the, his other stops were, um, you know, not really memorable. I, I, he's not a Lakers, guy that I, I think. Los Angeles, yeah. I think, was one stop. Yeah, the Knicks. The Knicks, the yeah. Knicks yeah. Um, so not a guy that, that I hope in any way that we hire. And you said it, Justin, about them being successful in the, the regular season and then maybe getting through the first round of the playoffs. That's literally every D'Antoni team, every and, single one. And that's what happens. I mean, people got to understand that in the playoffs, they're going to take away your best stuff. I mean, that, that's not only in basketball. That's in, in, in sports in general, right? And so – you know, I think they took away Harden and they were like, hey, Westbrook, come beat us. And that's what happened. They didn't – Westbrook literally was um, was terrible. And 
that's what, uh, you know, that's what their main problem was, is that Westbrook is a problem. He's not that good. Right. And they didn't even have Clint Capella to go, like, to fall back on even. Or, I mean, their only center on the roster was Tyson Chandler. And I would highly doubt he's going to play another minute in the NBA ever again. His best days are behind him. But uh, that's some ugly basketball, especially against the Lakers uh, in this last series. Uh, so, obviously, D'Antoni is not the top choice for a lot of Pelicans fans, a lot of Pelicans uh, members in the media that cover the Pelicans. I listened to your most recent podcast, and you guys got into it a little bit. I don't know if your opinions have changed at all, but who are your top choices for this, uh, this, this hiring process? Who's your top choice for the Pelicans to, to bring in this coming year? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few viable options. Um, you know, one of the names that wasn't available, I think, last time we spoke uh, and is available now that I think would be really interesting for our team, just given the, the spots, you know, where he was and the type of, uh, the type of team he had there. I, I would be interested in seeing us bringing in Billy Donovan for, for an interview. I think, you know, he's been pretty successful. Um, he's had to deal with some adversity in terms of players in and players out. Um, I, I think, you know, he's young. He seems to be pretty energetic. I, I haven't, can't recall anything, um, you know, where players have kind of given him a bad rap or anything like that. You know, yeah, I'd kind of tack him on, Justin. I don't know if, if you've added him to your list or if you're kind of staying pat where we were, but he's a guy that I, I hope is at least in our, our short list. Yeah, I, I think Donovan's a great coach. I, I think this year shows what Donovan can do. Uh, you know, people wrote off the Thunder. They're like Chris Paul, aging point guard. You know, how's Schroeder going to work? You, you know, how's Gilders Alexander going to work? And Donovan made it work. And not only did they, they didn't just limp into the playoffs, they were a five seed. Uh, they were playing some really good basketball. Uh, I think he's a great coach. He's, he was successful at Florida, right? Uh, he had great teams in Florida, developed them. He's had a great run in Oklahoma City. I was shocked, Elliot, that they fired him. I, I, I don't necessarily understand the plan unless they're going, like, full rebuild. But what were your thoughts on that, on that firing? Right. I, I mean, like, I guess technically they didn't fire him. They both agreed to part ways. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to say? Uh, I, I read the article that ESPN put out. I guess Sam Presti wasn't positive as to what the trajectory of the team was in the, in the next five years. And without that, Donovan was just like, I, this isn't something that I want to keep doing every year where the roster changes. Because, I mean, it's been a change of roster two years of consistency between Paul George and Russell Westbrook, but you still have Russell Westbrook on your roster. So, uh, you know, um, but yeah, the, the deciding to move on from Donovan was interesting. I mean, where do you go from that? I, I mean, I could see, I could see them bringing in like Nate McMillan, something like that, but I don't see a D'Antoni wanting to go there. I, I mean, Maybe they bring in a guy, again, like a Sam Cassell, who a lot of teams really like, or like a Darvin Ham, who I had mentioned previously, if they want to go full rebuild and really focus on building around like Shea Gilgius Alexander. Obviously, you know, Steven Adams isn't going to be their focus going forward. Dennis Schroeder's more of a role-playing scorer. I mean, he's got to be your guy, and if they want to focus and they want to use those draft picks rather than accumulate them and trade for, for you know, veterans and pull a Dell Demps, I, I thought the move was interesting. And I mentioned it on our most recent podcast. I like Billy Donovan a lot too. I mean, the thing that he's shown in OKC is flexibility because the offense, the defensive schemes have changed depending on personnel. And, and I like what he could bring in terms of that to 
to New Orleans and that he's been around young guys at Florida for, was it almost 20 years, 16, 15, 20 years. Um, so he, he can relate to the younger guys like Zion, like BI, um, and draft picks, nah, Jackson Hayes. So I, I think he brings a lot of the qualities that the Pelicans would want in a head coach. Yeah. And he's a, he's an interesting choice. I mean, <laughs> A name that has seemed to like cooled off is Kenny Atkinson. I really haven't heard much. It's been very interesting. I, I've, I've tweeted this out a lot that David Griffin has been very quiet, which is usually a good thing about who he wants to hire. Uh, so I think he has something up his sleeve. Kenny Atkinson is obviously a name. Ty Lue. Uh, in the, at the end of the day, I think Ty Lue is going to be too expensive because you do realize that they have to pay Gentry 5.7 mil this year. I can't see – I really don't see the Pelicans hiring Ty Lue. I don't either. I mean, I, I think he wants to compete for a championship right now. I, I, he's not a development type coach. I mean, he went, what, 0-6 with the Cavs and then they fired him. I mean, like 0-6 isn't a great start, but it's probably pretty apparent that he didn't want to be there. Ross, how do you feel about Ty Lue? Yeah, I, I thought um, – I think he's probably a better fit with our management than he is with our team. Um, I do still think that that he's a strong enough head coach that he would he could be successful here, but I, I'm, I've kind of pushed him to the back burner in my mind too because he's just going to be too expensive. Yeah, I, I mean, and you mentioned Kenny Atkinson, Justin. That he was my he was my top choice for a long time, and he still is up there. I mm-hmm. think he. The question remains, like, what's what's it going to be like once he gets into the playoffs and this team is really successful. Uh, because, I mean, we, we didn't really get to see that with the Nets. They made it to the playoffs and lost to the 76ers, I believe, in five um, in 2018 yeah. or 2019. So we haven't really seen that part of, of his job at, at, at the head coaching position. I also like Sam Cassell a lot, reading Preston Artis, Ellis's article on the bird rights, and then Jerry Stackhouse as well, Chris Connor putting that art, article together for us on uh, the bird rights as well. Yeah, I, I mentioned Stackhouse uh, in the previous podcast, but uh... – Another thing to your point, Ellie, about Atkinson is that in Brooklyn, he developed a great culture, right? You know, that team that made the playoffs with D'Angelo Russell, he got a young team and a bunch of basically no names at the time, and they played together. They played really good basketball. And that's kind of something you have the Pelicans. Like, Ty Lue is used to having LeBron James. That's why, I mean, that's why he was so successful. Let's let's call a spade a spade. But what would he be like with – you know, a bunch of 20-year-olds and Brandon Ingram is your best player. So uh, I think Atkinson has that experience of taking a young team, developing players, and then also getting them to play a good brand of basketball. I like what he did with Jared Allen, and I think if Jackson Hayes can become that. And we've seen videos that the team has released of him shooting jump shots. If he can start to shoot jump shots and throw his body around, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> just get that into his head, then he can provide a lot of value. And the guard development that he had with D'Angelo Russell, Karis LeVert, and, and Joe Harris has Joe just Harris, become yeah. one of the best three-point shot, three shot makers in the NBA. If he can do something to that level with Lonzo and Naw, then sign me up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Ross, how do you feel? Yeah, I agree. I mean, that, that's sort of been the thing with Atkinson, right, is that it's all developmental and there's not really a lot you know, in the book on what he's going to do sort of post-development, you know, can he lead a team deep into the playoffs? Um, you know, how is he with vets? So, you know, that, that's sort of the tough part for me with him. Um, I, I think I'd like to see somebody either a little younger and more energetic or somebody with a little more history in the playoffs, but I would be perfectly fine. I think 
you know, versus like a D'Antoni or somebody of that ilk, I, I would much rather Atkinson. But he's not he's not in my top two or three, I don't think. Okay. I like the – I really like the idea of bringing in a former NBA vet too. Not necessarily – like that doesn't have to be a top factor of bringing in a guy, um, a, an NBA head coach, but that's a big reason – well, a part of the reason why I really like Stackhouse. I mean, in at Vanderbilt – he went 11 and 21, I believe, this last year, and, and and their fans are just dying to have him back. I mean, he has that relationship with Bi. I think that he just brings so many pieces to the table that could ultimately result in being a fantastic NBA head coach. He led a team to the NBA G League title. Last coach to do that, I think we talked about it. Justin was Nick Nurse, um, for a UNI alum, right here, baby, uh, and uh, I mean he's coming from coaching at the college level, former NBA coach. I think he's got almost all of the, the, all of the things that you would want in a prospective head coach. Go ahead, Ross. No, I was going to say, yeah, Justin, you, you kind of talked on him last time. Um, and and you, he seemed to be, you know, sort of higher on your list and, and you were pretty intrigued with the idea of bringing in somebody like Stackhouse. Yeah. I just think he's a, he's a name that's well-respected, uh, you know, with a young team, things like that. They're going to listen to what Stackhouse has to say and, I think he's a great coach. Uh, obviously, a G League champion, as you said. He's he's done already. I mean, Vanderbilt's already just a bad program. He's already starting to build, build, build. Uh, I actually visited their campus uh, last year and got the whole tour and everything like that. And they're building a great program over there. And I'm actually surprised, Ross, you haven't um, mentioned uh, Ime Udoki. Is that how you say? Is that how you say the? Uh, yeah. I'm so, I feel like that's Ross's guy. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, that's a that's a name that I'm interested uh, to see. That you know, no one's really talking about. Yeah, look, I, I think I still think you know Udoka's uh, probably the most interesting name for me, just for that sole reason, right? That the Spurs have done both. That you know, he's he's got he's got the the championship pedigree in terms of working behind a guy like Greg Popovich for a long time, and then they've also done a really good job. Probably don't get enough credit for it for developing young guys. Um, you know, even their team this year, right, ended up pushing really hard, almost made the playoffs there at the end, purely on the back of of young guards. So um, he just has a lot of qualities that, that I'm that I'm really interested in, both from experience standpoint and from a player development side. And correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's the associate head coach with the 76ers now in yeah. Brett Brown, or he was, I guess. Right. Uh, so coming from a situation like that where, you know, the 76ers, that is just a mess. And coming into New Orleans being led by a guy like David Griffin, I think that he could thrive in a situation like this too. So the topic of today's podcast that we have been, it's just been everywhere, especially over that four-month hiatus. Justin and I talked about it pretty briefly on the last time that, that he joined us, but we're talking about the possibility of Drew Holiday being traded this offseason. So in reference to that, there seems to be a, a consensus of nobody has any freaking idea what Drew Holiday is worth in a trade this offseason. Uh, do you think – with where we're at now with, with Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, JJ Redick, Andre Godala, Trey Young said something about uh, Drew Holiday being one of the top defenders in the league just a few months ago. Do you think that his trade value has increased since the last time that, that we've talked or, or since the season's been over? I'll, I'll go ahead first, Ross. I think uh, first off that interview with JJ and KD was unbelievable. If you haven't listened to it, you need to go listen to it now, but I think we've always known that Drew Holiday is a great defender. Uh, I think 
Elliot and I were, you were talking about before we recorded this, that, you know, I'm interested to see that the Celtics fall short this year, if Denver falls short in game seven, or if a Miami falls short, if they, if that, if that price goes higher for Drew Holiday, right? Like Drew Holiday, I think takes those three teams and makes them an automatic title contender. Uh, So I think with like teams like that, their price will be high. Now, I just don't know what you can get from them, right? So um, in a market like Boston, they're always win now, right? Win now, win now, win now. Who knows with Denver? And I think Miami, with Miami yeah, Miami right now is a win now. You know, they see the nucleus and the big, you know, they have a legitimate shot for the next five to seven years. So it kind of depends on what team, you know, you're talking about. Now, Lakers, Clippers, I don't see Drew going there. Um, I think – if, if I was Griffin, I would like to see Drew Holiday in the Eastern Conference. I don't want him back in the Western Conference. Uh, so I look like at some teams of maybe Philadelphia, Miami, uh, Boston would be great trade partners. Well, it's hard, it's hard to say whether his value has gone up or down. I think, like Justin said, the league has known for a long time now that Drew Holiday's the you know, if not the premier wing defender in the league, one of the top two or three guys right up there with Marcus Smart and a couple of others. Um, just a, a truly versatile guy that's, I think, a solid offensive player, probably not somebody that you want to be your first option, but just a truly elite defender, low maintenance, seems like a really solid person to have in your locker room. I think the, the bigger issue for me is sort of in, at this point, right, he's only got a year left on that deal. How, how much is somebody going to be willing to give up for what is potentially a one-year rental, right? So, I, and I, that, I, that I don't know. I think if, if he goes to the right place, you know, a Miami or a Denver, obviously, who are both, you know, inching, inching close to, to championship contention, maybe those are long-term spots for him. And I think that, you know, the team that trades for him is going to have to have a level of comfort that they can get him back. You know, I, when I look at Denver, to me, they are the ideal trading partner for Drew Holiday. I think he fits with their current team. I think he takes them a level ahead of where they are right now. Um, what are they going to be willing to give up, though, right? If it's right. Gary Harris, mm, doesn't really move the needle. You got it. I got to throw – I think you have to throw MPJ in there. Like, in, in order it's to gonna get ha- you out of it's, it's, it's the same thing I said about the Heat, you know, at the All-Star break when we had this conversation. Like, if, if Tyler Hero is not involved in the conversation, then just hang the phone up. Like, there's no – there's no – like, there's nothing – there's not a conversation to be had. I don't want Goran Dragic. I don't want any of those guys. And that's how I feel about about Denver. If, like, if we're not starting with with Michael Porter or, you know, and or not even an or and bull bull then like what are we talking about here um so I, I just don't we don't need any more picks I don't necessarily think we like we're not going to trade veteran for veteran so it's about scouring those teams that are I think on the cusp of of, of contention that are going to have a piece we want otherwise it just it doesn't make a lot of sense and that's why and that's why I mentioned Boston now I'm interested to see if Boston would you know, come to – we want Drew Holiday, where would you start with that? I mean, would you take a Gordon Hayward in that crazy contract? Would you take – I mean, I'd obviously take Jalen Brown, but who knows? Um, I, I don't know if teams are willing to go that extra – as you said, Ross, like, it has to start with Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. Like, I, I don't know if teams are willing to overpay for one year. Count I can count. pick it up. I think I, think I understand what, what you're saying. A, a team like Boston, yeah, look, Drew Holiday fits perfect on a team like Boston, but – if, I, if I'm the Pelicans, so I'm speaking to David Griffin, like, I don't want Gordon Hayward. I, one, I don't think he's very good anymore. And two, what's he, like, what is he for us, right? Is he better than Drew Holiday? I don't, I don't think he is. And so 
you're at that crossroads between there's no way you're getting one of like their foundational pieces, uh, uh, a Jalen, I mean, a Brown, a Tatum, any of that kind of stuff. That's all. That's not even, that's going to be a non-starter. And I don't want Gordon Hayward. I don't want like their young pieces necessarily. I'm not really interested in like Romeo Langford and Simi Ojale and those guys. So it, this, that's one of those where like, yeah, he fits awesome in Boston, but like they don't have crap to give us. I like the fit with Boston, but like you said, they're going to say no way. There's going to be no way for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. There's just absolutely no chance they're going to be able to acquire those two guys. So, I mean, and you look at the young pieces. I mean, I like Grant Williams. I like uh, Sammy Ojale. But, I mean, is that how much value are they really providing a long run? Are they good bull players? Sure. Are they going to provide the same value that Drew Holiday did? Yeah, and you got to compare those guys against, against like, well, what would you be able to get in the draft this year? I, mean, right. I think theoretically, if you're behind a Sunday, like, those guys aren't, they're the role players. They're not, like, people that you're going to team around. or tra- I mean, I wouldn't trade a Drew Holiday for them. I would just keep it. Right. So, the thing for me, when, it, when we can go back to this, this view, the talk of value, what Drew Holiday brings and what the Pels can get in exchange for him. Uh, and I think you pretty much hit it on the head, but I just wanted to make sure that we uh, address it here. Justin, you hit it around the third spot in the pecking order in, with, with a team. So when you think about teams like Brooklyn or, or Denver, where uh, in Brooklyn, it's going to be KD, it's going to be Kyrie. Denver, it's going to be probably Jamal, uh, Jamal Murray and, Nikola Jokic, and then it's going to be Drew. I think his value increases there because that's the place where he brings the most. <laughs> that's the place where he brings the most value. The thing about his position in New Orleans is he's been expected to be the first or the second option, and that's just not who he is. I mean, the Pels have looked at him to be a leader, and if he doesn't have to be a leader, and if he can just fill his role and be a third option scorer and a great defender on your team – that is where he's going to thrive. So I think that they can get the most they possibly want or, or can get out of a, a team like Brooklyn. I, I was just going to, I was going to say, I, I, look, I, I totally hear you. And, and the interesting thing for Brooklyn is they actually have some guys that I would want, um, you know, even, even a step like higher up the chain than, than Michael Porter and Bowl and guys like that. I, I think Karis LeVert is better than both of those guys. Um, to the extent that, that there's interest in something like that. I mean, I, the cap gymnastics, I think, probably get a little tougher for Brooklyn because they're so far over. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if they want to talk about, you know, Karis LeVert and, and Tari and Walker and guys like that for Drew Holiday, I think that then my ears perk up. Yeah, and I think Brooklyn's going to have to make a move. Uh, you know, they, they've always said they wanted a third guy with KD and Kyrie. I, now, is Drew Holiday that – player maybe he is but um Brooklyn's an interesting team I, I I didn't have them in the Drew Holiday trades but more more and more we talk about it that's that's an interesting landing spot because Drew does take that team to the next level defensively he's a defensive stopper KD and Kyrie are those two offensive juggernauts uh they become tough to stop yeah I, I think I think I can make a pretty compelling argument that that in terms of fit um that trade is the, you know, again, I, the cap, I think the cap piece is the more difficult part of that one. I think from a fit perspective, the Pelicans get things in return that are instantly valuable. And I think Drew Holiday is probably one of the best players, if not the single best player to pair between um, Joe Harris and Kyrie Irving. 
just because he's such an elite defender. So he takes that responsibility away from Kyrie. Um, and, and, and when you think, when you think about a lineup of, of Kyrie, Drew Holiday, Joe Harris, um, Kevin Durant, and then, you know, uh, uh, Jared Allen sort of protecting the paint, I think it's pretty easy to envision somebody that could come out of the East uh, if all those guys are healthy. So um, yeah, good, real good point, Elliot. And I, I think they're definitely one of, you know, on the very short list of teams that probably will be interested in Drew. No, I was saying, Elliot, would you – if there was one – we're talking a lot of Eastern Conference teams, and I'll start with you, Elliot. Would you, what team in the Western Conference, not the Nuggets, would you trade Drew Holiday to if there was a team that you could think of? Well, in terms of I, – I know you said neither of the L.A. teams. Obviously, the Lakers are just like – there's no way they could figure that out. Not a chance. So, <clears throat> that's kind of out the window. But I, I know you also mentioned – the idea of him being a one-year rental, but he's from the Los Angeles area. If he gets traded to the Clippers, maybe he sticks around. The Pels, I mean, there's a lot of pieces in uh, Los Angeles with the Clippers that they could offer up. Granted, I mean, how long are they going to stick around? What, who is it going to be? What are they willing to give up? But I, I would venture to guess it'd be – It'd be the Clippers, other other than the Nuggets. I mean, I, I could look at a list of teams, but that's the one that that comes to me off the top of my head. It's an easy response for me. If if you're not looking at the Nuggets, um, I probably call the Warriors and, and say see what they want for for that pick this year, and and then I'm sure they'd have to give you Andrew Wiggins to make the the numbers work too. Um, so yeah, so, some combo of of Andrew Wiggins and that pick this year for. Drew Holiday and whatever else, you know, basically anything else they want from the roster other than Brent yeah. Ingram or, um, or J.J. Redick. I keep or seeing – um, yeah, I, I keep seeing a name that is always paired with Drew Holiday and trade uh, examples is J.J. Redick. Do y'all think he makes it through the offseason as a Pelican or is he going to be shipped off with uh, Drew? I mean, he's a one-year expiring guy. I mean, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Because I would hate to lose J.J. Redick, but – Elliot, I can go. I, I can quickly answer that one. I, I think whether whether he stays or not, I, I can't really handicap that much. I think it's purely dependent on the offer. Like I don't think the Pelicans in any way are going to be tied to right. Like if somebody knocks you off your feet, right? Hey, Drew Holiday and JJ Reddick for whatever, and it's 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 a just knock you off your feet offer. Like yeah, bye bye. Um, but I, I don't I don't know that they're going to be actively like shopping him. But yeah, I do agree with you. I think. The difficult part is money, right? I mean, you tag JJ on, um, it gets a little tougher to make the numbers work with a few of these teams, but he's certainly going to be a guy that people are interested in just because of shooting. The thing about shipping away JJ, also, Ross, I totally didn't think of Golden State. Good point. They've been, I've, I've heard that before. I think he would fit in really well with the, with the Splash Brothers. That would mm -hmm. be scary. But <clears throat> the thing about shipping away JJ is where are you getting your leadership from now? Because more than likely, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an intangible, but I mean, where, like, where's it coming from? I mean, obviously, you're going to look to your head coach, but in terms of player leadership, where's it coming from? And if you can bring in, I mean, obviously, you're going to need shooting in exchange too. I like the package of, so let's say they send Drew and JJ to Golden State and they get Andrew Wiggins and that second pick back. You throw in, Eric Pascal, sign me up, done. I'm here for it because he's, he's a good uh, piece down low that, that the Pelicans could definitely use. But, again, uh, just to reiterate, is, I mean, is Brandon Ingram going to be your leader? 
Like, where are you going to get it from? Brandon Ingram, and I'm glad you brought this up, Elliot, because this is this has been my problem with this team since the Chris Paul days is that they haven't had a leader. Um, and if Brandon Ingram is supposed to be an all-star, your highest paid guy, he has to be the leader. Now he might have to be, not, he has to be vocal defensively, but he's got to be the guy in the locker room. Um, but that's why, like, I love, you know, watching these playoffs, like the Kyle Lowry's, the Marcus Smart's, just those, like the Patrick, even Patrick Beverly, like those guys, like just give it their all. They want to win. They're vocal. They're loud. They're, they're leading. The Pelicans did not have that. They have a bunch of guys that are nice guys, you know, nothing against Drew Holiday or J.J. Redick, but they're, like, soft-spoken. You know, Brandon Ingram's a soft-spoken guy. So is Zion. It's, it's, it's a question that's a main problem in this organization and this franchise is who is your leader, right? Uh, Gentry was never a guy to call out anybody in a press conference. Um, you never really saw players barking with each other. Like, for instance, today – I think it's Tom Brady's like third possession. He's already barking at somebody, right? Like that, that shows leadership. Like you got to be able to get in somebody's stuff and uh, you know, get the best out of your players and, and things like that. And this organization does not have that. And it's frustrating because I want Drew Holiday to be that. And as you said earlier, Elliot, he's just not that guy, right? So uh, in a trade package, you got to bring somebody that's going to lead this franchise or Brendan Ingram or Zion has to step up. Ross? Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that you mentioned if we traded away J.J. Redick, who, who would be that guy, because it's, you know, to Justin's point, and I think we knocked on it all year, has been there are a couple guys that feel like they should have been, and, and, and J.J. is one of those guys that I felt like had an opportunity to be a little more vocal. And, I mean, I can't remember him saying five words all year on the court or in, you know, in the media and stuff, and, and he seems to be really well-respected. He's obviously got a great podcast. He's, he's well-spoken. He does TNT stuff during the offseason, but I – I didn't get the sense in, in going to a bunch of games and basically watching every game that J.J. Redick was any kind of an on-court, you know, vocal leader. But I could be wrong. Maybe he's doing it quietly. But I actually wish I had seen more of that out of him. So trading him away I don't think is going to affect us. Um, definitely not on-court um, in terms of from a leadership perspective. I guess when I think about it, I mean, he is – the lone guy who's shown any sort of semblance of leadership on that team. I mean, uh, we heard about him speaking up at halftime against the Bucks in Milwaukee. But other than that, I mean, it's just – I mean, we've all been on sports teams. Teams without leaders, they suck. They suck. And you can have a bunch of young guys who get along, but if there's not one guy at the helm keeping everybody accountable and responsible – and. Lewis Prejean and I talked about it on this most recent episode of the podcast where we talked about head coaching position, head coaching hires. There needs to be some goddamn accountability because there was absolutely none, especially in the bubble when, when uh, Gentry said something to the effect of, I don't think our energy was an issue tonight. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you said that teams without leaders suck because you know, everybody got excited about the Pelicans whenever they had that little run there with Zion and in and, and a lot of ways, and I love the team, okay, so take this with, you know, a grain of salt. Everybody sort of tricked themselves into thinking we were something we're not. We sucked. We sucked this year. Like, we were the 13th out of 15 teams in, in the West. Like, we were not a good team. And so I, I'm, I'm glad that both fans and, and even, you know, at the executive level, while I don't agree with some of the way that, that Griffin has handled things so far – 
I am glad that there's a, a, a sense that like, Hey, things have to change. Like the, you know, even though there was like an exciting two week period, like we weren't, a, we weren't a good basketball team this year at all, even close to it. Yeah. Elliot. And I think, uh, I'm so glad you brought the, the post game, uh, conferences with, with Gentry because, you know, I think it was, I know exactly the, the situation you're talking about. I think we gave up like 140 points to the, uh, <laughs> it was 140 points to the Sacramento Kings. I mean, it was, it was terrible. It was, it was an effort. It, it was just bad. It was, and we're down by 42 to the Clippers in one yeah, game. Uh, it yep. was bad. And yeah. Mike Malone in the bubble, I remember the Nuggets were struggling defensively and Mike Malone individually called out players. was like, this is unacceptable. This needs to change before the playoffs. Gentry never did that. And that's why it's kind of like, you know, you get away with things as a kid. And there's no discipline. So you keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. You keep doing it. And that was the problem the Pelicans had, right? Well, we're not really worried about defense, right? We just want to go score. We're going to get the ball and go score. That's what Coach Gentry's saying. So let's go. There's there's no emphasis on defense. So why would if if Brandon Ingram's not gonna get you know pulled out or Zion or whoever, of course I'm just not gonna play defense because I'm just go up go out and play offense. I'm not gonna get pulled. I'm not gonna get benched. I'm not gonna get called out in the post game conference. So what what does it matter to me, right? So I mean th- these are 19, 20, 21 year old kids. So you gotta set a standard where you're like this is not how it's gonna be. And you do that through media. You do that through practice. I, I've been to a couple practices too. And listen, I love Gentry. I, I was – Ross brought it up. I don't think it was fair how the bubble was handled uh, and Zion and things like that. And um, Gentry, I think, is a great offensive-minded coach and is a very well-respected guy around the league. He just doesn't have leadership qualities. And I think that's why he failed as a head coach, unfortunately. Um, but you're right. Accountability in this franchise is everything. And moving forward, it starts with your head coach, right? So uh, this next hire that Griffin has is everything because he's, it's the standard for the next four or five years. And I think Griffin has started that standard to a degree by firing Gentry saying this lack of accountability isn't going to fly and go on and get, cause he knows what a championship team is like. He knows what a leader is like in LeBron James and obviously, you know, the Pels aren't going out and saying we're going to get LeBron James or a player like him. Obviously, there's the comp sign, whatever. We're not going to get into that. But the start of, of accountability and the start of a winning culture begins with, with Griffin, with Langdon, with Swin Cash. And I think there's been a step in the right direction by moving on from Gentry. And you, you mentioned uh, this, these steps, you know, you need to keep pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary, pushing the boundary. And you can do that as much as you want. I mean, growing up, <laughs> there's a couple of times where I had my mom offer there, tell me that if I kept doing what I was going to do and she was, or what I was doing, she was going to slap me. And I didn't keep doing what I was doing. And she didn't slap me because I knew, like, I knew she was actually going to do it. And there's, there just was none of that with, with that's, Gentry. Absolutely that's none. That's what it is. It doesn't matter if you're five years old, eight years old, or 35 years old. If you're going to get away with stuff, you're going to keep doing it until discipline happens. And that discipline never happened. And Gentry is a, an offensive guru. And it was just – defensively, it was just – I didn't think they would be that bad. I mean, they were horrible. Yeah, look, I've said this a thousand times. Gentry has value in the NBA as an assistant coach, as as even an elite assistant coach. There's a there's room for the NBA players, coaches, just not as a head coach. 
Like your head coach can't be your buddy. And, think, you know, while players love Gentry, there, there was never any fear. There was never any, like, it just – he didn't set a standard of, 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 of effort and excellence, I think, on, on one entire side of the ball. And so, inevitably what happens is you've got a really poor defensive team that's pretty undisciplined. And, yeah, like I, I was, I've been saying for a year that Gentry should be fired. So, um, while I think that the way he was treated and, and handled in the bubble was, was poor from an executive perspective, um, he, he undoubtedly did not do enough over the last couple of years to keep his job. Wow. And, and to Gentry's defense, and I'm not making an excuse for him, I felt like the guy just never had a healthy lineup ever, right? So he comes with all this excitement with Zion. He had a deal with AD last year. He gets the whole Zion thing. Boom, torn meniscus. So now he's got he's to sub in Melly and Favors, you know, his, his mom dies unexpectedly. So now Favors is gone. So now he's putting Jackson Hayes. And now this whole rotation, which you built all preseason – is completely gone. And I think they started, what, Elliot, 9 and 26 or something just really bad. It was bad. Yeah. It, it was just something bad. It, wasn't <laughs> it, 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 was, it was just not fair. Zion comes back. They finally get a little bit of rhythm. COVID hits. So, I mean, it sucked. The guy never got a break. But the way he handled media, fans, and everything like that, like, I'll never, ever, ever have a problem with Alvin Gentry. And so we talked respect, we talked discipline, and those two things really translate on the defensive end of the floor. I'm not sure if you guys saw my article on Darvin Ham, possibly bringing in Darvin Ham. I'm not the biggest Ham guy. I know, like I said, uh, talking about Louis Prejean for a little bit, that's his top choice. I think he's a better fit for a team like the Bulls, something like that. But uh, in this article, I wrote this, this little section here. Under Gentry in the 2019-2020 regular season, New Orleans ranked 27th in points allowed per game, 117.1, 20th in point differential, negative 1.3, and 19th in points allowed per 100 possessions with 112. Those numbers aren't going to cut it. Yeah, and, and look, and it, it, th- those are the numbers. It, it, yeah, watching them from the bleachers is even is even more uh, <laughs> was even more painful because you, you could see. You know, the, the, the numbers speak to a poor defensive team. Watching it with your eyes speak to poor effort and, and poor coaching um, and, and sort of poor pl- game planning. So it's, it's, it's a combo of those two that, like, really, really was frustrating, I think, all year. So to circle back, Drew Holiday here. We've talked a lot about the offense and what the Pels would want to get in exchange on offense. So, like, with Denver, we've talked Michael Porter Jr. With Brooklyn, we've talked Karis LeVert. But right now, we're talking defense. We're talking discipline. As we look to Drew Holiday trades, obviously, we know Drew is an incredible defender by himself. He solely is an individual, incredible defender. But team defense needs to be improved like mad are the Pels going into this trade looking for a guy like, I mean, I don't even know who I don't, didn't list anybody that, that looks like a great defender on, on my list. I know yeah. Jared Allen is, is a guy that I would love from Brooklyn. Yeah, Elliot, I'll, I'll just stop you there. And I'll tell you right now, Zion and Brandon Ingram have to get better or it doesn't matter who the hell you get. You get Dennis Rodman, it doesn't matter. Uh, Zion Williamson is absolutely putrid on defense and, and, and it's not and I'm not trying to be funny or like if you literally go watch film which Ross and I did of him playing defense not only is he lost completely he just doesn't give 
Like, he doesn't care, right? So, in Duke, he could get away with it because he's playing, you know, Wake Forest and, you know, Army and they, like, you know, like, like teams that are not NBA teams. Now you see him and he was just bad. Like, he just wasn't yeah. good. His rotations were terrible. He wasn't rebounding very well. I mean, offensively he was, but defensively he was not. And the same with Brandon Ingram. I mean, when you're 6'8", six, 6'9", six, you're lanky and things like that, you got to be able to contest shots and get rebounds. And I think Ingram did a great job defensively rebounding the basketball this year, but once again, completely lost in rotations. And so those two guys, right, those are going to be your guys that are getting 35, 40 minutes a night. Uh, they have to be better defensively. Yeah, I mean, Zion's is part of that is he was just so out of shape all year too. So, I mean, he's got to get himself in better shape so that if he's not going to be an elite on-ball defender, he's, he's going to have to be quick enough first step, you know, first guy off the floor type of thing to, to gobble up a bunch of rebounds and be able to help weak side with blocks and, and some at least effort play get some steals and blocks and, and get out in transition and stuff so yeah I, I, I agree with Justin I think in a, in a trade for Drew Holiday I'm looking for just the best players possible um mm-hmm. under kind of a certain age range don't really care that much whether they're you know offensive minded or defensive minded I think I'm just looking for the best players possible and I think defense has got to be built around whoever the, the head coach that that's going to have to be a mentality that's going to be instilled by, by the next head coach and whoever you're drafting down the line. Yep. And, and another thing, Elliot, uh, I think that really hurt this team this year, and we, we harped on it, is communication. No one talked defensively. Lonzo Ball's a mute. Drew Holiday's a mute. Brandon Ingram's a mute. Zion Williamson's a mute. Derek Favors is a mute. So, uh, you know, defense is all about communication. You go watch the Toronto Raptors, and they're in boxing one, one, three, one. They're in man. They're in switch. Like, they – Go watch them play and watch them X and rotate, and they're unbelievable. Go watch Marcus Smart and the Celtics. They're all communicating. Jalen Brown, they're switching. They're boxing out. They're getting steals, deflections, all, all kinds of stuff. I think Fred Van Fleet led the league in deflections this year, I think. And he's, what, 5'8"? <laughs> like, he's, like, he's not this, like, freak. No, but he, he cares. He's energetic. He cares. He understands rotation. And he has a high IQ. And – you got to expect more from your best players. And Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson have to be better defensively. 100%. 100%. And we've talked a lot about that need at that 3 and three and D kind of position, the 3-4, guard 2-3-4 kind of position. I know we talked about Mo Harkless, Jeremy Grant, stuff like that. Chris Connor actually, in a podcast that we recorded in late June, talked about Brandon Ingram developing to uh, be some level of defender at that wing position. Do you think he's capable of doing that? You see um... – before I get to Ross, I think he is, Elliot, and I thought it was interesting on KD's podcast, right? I think JJ goes, I didn't realize that you were a good defender. And, and, and then KD responds, well, in Oklahoma City, my only job was to play offense. That's all, that's all the coach wanted me to do is play offense. And I think that's what Gentry wanted to do with Ingram. Like, all he wanted to do is play offense. I think if you get a guy that is like, you better play some defense here, they're not going to play. I don't care who you are. He's got the tools. He's quick. He's lanky. Uh, he's got hops. He can rebound. So it's there. Uh, it's just, does he want to play defense is the main question. Yeah, I think you saw, I think you saw a handful of games throughout the year, um, especially, you know, late in games um, when he would, you know, really, you, you can just see the, the effort, right. And it's, that's half of more than half of what the defense is. Um, 
I can, I can vividly recall a few times where it's like, okay, he's, he's locked in right now. Like he's giving you a hundred percent effort and you can sort of see that long armed, you know, kind of deflecting a bunch of balls, tipping stuff, getting some blocks potential. Um, again, for me, it's, it's going to be all about the next head coach sort of instilling that mentality in our entire roster. Um, like defense isn't a sometimes thing. If when it's a sometimes thing, you find yourself in a 20, you know, a 20 point hole right away. Um, it's gotta be an all the time thing. So I think he's just, look, he's unquestionably got the potential to be a good defender. It's, it's, it's about want to. I think he does too. <clears throat> you mentioned Justin, his length and his quickness. I think a, a big issue for him going forward, if he's going to be a, a two-way player. I mean, and the thing about that, the, the two-way real talent is that does come few and far between. I mean, LeBron in his prime years, we can look to Kawhi, we can look to Paul George, but how frequently does that really happen? Kevin Durant. Uh, but a big thing that he's got to work on and that we know he's been working on is strength. That, that's, that's a big issue yeah. because that's where he's going to get beat a lot by these bigger guards like the Giannis, like the bronze. And, and, and that's what was driving me insane, Elliot, this year was that I thought it was almost unfair that Drew Holiday had to guard these bigger guards, right? So he had to guard like the Paul Georges and, you know, the bigger guards give him – trouble and that should be Brandon Ingram guarding that uh, Brandon Ingram should be guarding those lanky guys like Kawhi's Paul George's you know the Tatum's of the world not Drew Holiday Drew Holiday should be guarding one and two guards and you would always see Drew Holiday on you know big lanky guards I would just put him on the block and like I think he was like Brandon Ingram should be able to guard LeBron James now I'm not saying that you can contain LeBron James but in a matchup when I'm like going through game plans you got to be able to put Brandon Ingram on LeBron James and be able to at least contain him I mean, I can vividly remember Drew Holiday guarding LeBron James and LeBron taking him on the block and just getting bucket after bucket after bucket. And you can't even blame Drew Holiday because that's just unfair. But if Brandon Ingram wants to be that guy, he's got to be able to step up defensively and be like, I want the best player too. Yeah, and there are few coaches that I think can get him. I mean, to, to, to go back to that as well is I, I think Jerry Stackhouse can be the guy to really, really bring that out of him. Their relationship, the fact that he's a vet, what he brought in the NBA as a journeyman, I think that pairing would be awesome uh, for, for the Pels and for, for Brandon Ingram's development. No, no, I'm, I'm, look, I think you guys, you guys said it. I mean, we're just, he has the potential, so I, I don't, you know, I think Stackhouse is an interesting option, um, but it's 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 going to have to come from a level above the players. Like I don't think we have a player on the roster right now. Like you want, like if you're playing with Marcus Smart, your ass is going to be trying on defense all the time because you can't watch a guy like play that hard and be like, eh, let me take a couple plays off. Like you can't watch Kyle Lowry, a guy his size, lead the league in in, in charges, and be like, you know what, let me just take a little time off, right? Like let me. I'm going to sit these couple plays out. So that's why you have a, a guy like Van Vliet that, that's you know leading the league in tips and all this kind of stuff, and so. You, you look at those teams and yeah, they have great coaches, but they also have like a guy on the team that you're going to have a hard time looking in the eye. If you're sitting over here lagging your ass on defense and that dude's busting it every single play, all over the floor, diving for balls. Like, yeah, it's easy to make fun of and be like, Oh, a hustle guy. But like, you got to have a hustle guy because he holds everybody else accountable. What I like to call them is bulldogs. Um, you got to have a bulldog on a championship winning team. I mean, you can, you know who? You know who that bulldog? Like Jimmy Butler is a bulldog. Like he, Draymond, he Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond I mean, Green. You gotta have a Draymond. Bulldog. Like you gotta have a guy like that. And like I don't think we have that guy. So not, and when not, you talk not about teams do, yeah, right. And when when you're talking about you know if there is somebody like that in the trade, sure, like you take a shot at him. I I, I feel like 
those guys are easier to get in the draft. It's easier to draft a Marcus Smart. It's easier to draft a, a Draymond Green. It's easier to draft a Jimmy Butler because look at where they go in the draft, right? Those guys don't go in the top five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten picks. They're mid-round to late to second-round guys. Probably everybody we just listed was was late first or, or second round. So, um, you know, those are the type of guys that when, you know, if we do this again, obviously we start talking about looking at the draft, you know, it, it, those are the type of people that if I was the Pelicans, I would try to, to, to bring someone into the roster because even a young guy playing like that holds everybody else accountable. Have you looked at the draft at all, guys? Have you looked at, at anybody they could grab at 13 or, or anybody in the, the late second? One of my uh... – <laughs> One of my buddies says that this is one of the worst drafts in a very, very long time. Uh, so having that 13th pick is kind of like, uh, whatever. So I'm interested to see what Griffin does. Uh, I'm interested to see if he, you know, I think last year he moved back in the draft, right? I think, uh, I think it was, I forget what trade he did, but I think he might move back. I don't know what he did, but I don't know, man. I don't, they're so young, right? Like, they have so many young pieces. I don't know what you can get at 13. I mean, I'm interested to see that Ross bringing up Golden State. That's an interesting choice with Drew Holiday. If you can move up in the draft, maybe. But uh, at 13, I'm not really expecting too much. Yeah, and, and I, like, those are the, guy, the guys I feel like they get drafted in that range or, or the, type, well, the type of player we're looking for is generally not somebody that you're like, ooh, Man, we right. got to move up right. to get this like gritty defender. You know, I mean, it, it, so no. To, to in terms of evaluating that type of player, I haven't. I, and I really haven't looked at the draft that hard. Period. Since since we've been in the bubble and everything else, so that's something that over the next few weeks. You know, now that we're sort of in it, ending the season a little bit, that I'll start to dive into pretty hard. We might have to reconvene and talk a little bit about to, that. As, <laughs> I was about to say, uh, Elliot, are you are you a big draft guy? Because I'm not, but I know Ross is like. Yeah. Loves it, loves it. You know, know, the two years that I hosted a radio show in college, uh, we talked a lot about the NFL draft, and I freaking love the NFL draft. The NBA draft is a little bit more difficult for me in terms of evaluation. I I mean, like, I would straight up, like, watch tape of some of the top players, especially the first-round guys for for the NFL draft. This year, I've looked into it more, obviously, being in this position. I, I don't know if you guys saw my article about three uh, potential guys that they could grab in that 13th spot. But uh, at 13, I had mentioned Patrick Williams. He's a wing. He's an 18-year-old out of Florida State. Uh, the point guard from Alabama, Kyra Lewis Jr., reminds me a lot of Colin Sexton. And then uh, Alex Sej Pokashevsky out of uh, this uh, league in Greece, same league that Giannis came from. Um, he's seven foot, and he was listed as a shooting guard at times playing in this league so he's he's like one of the most smooth tall guys you'll see in your life is he good defensively no he's he's pretty weak down there but he's another guy that could ultimately he has the ceiling to be a bona fide star in the nba and if you pair him with bi zion long term new orleans can be scary you know it's it's funny but we keep forgetting and i do it too is uh dd we keep forgetting about him Um, right He's a guy that will be definitely on the roster next year, and you can kind of almost treat him like your draft pick. But uh, I'm interested to see how he fits in. He's supposed to be a shooter. He's a big wing guy. Uh, so, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I, it, I feel like Griffin is a guy that likes to make moves, and I'd be shocked if we kept their team. I really would. 
Yeah, I have, I have a sense that we're either going to move up or down. I'm not sure why. Um, but it does feel like it does feel like if we're going to do something, it's going to be moving up. Um, I don't know that generally when we move down, it's to acquire more picks. And I just we already have yeah, so many. Picks. There's some really <laughs> unless there's like some really really long term plan that I'm just not seeing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I, like I said, I, I plan to spend the next month or so really diving into the draft. I, you know, with the, with the end of college basketball. Um, really not even the end, basically all of college basketball season um, getting scrapped. We sort of missed the opportunity, you know, once you get into, into conference play and into the tournament to see a lot of these guys. So um, I'm looking forward to kind of spending the next month or so looking into that. Like I said, I think my top choice at 13 right now, if the Pels can swing it and grab him if he falls by chance, is Pat, Patrick Williams out of Florida State. I think we've talked a lot about the need for a 3 and D guy on the roster as it's currently constructed and, and I like I like Patrick Williams a lot. He he didn't do a whole lot in his first year in the in the uh, in the college basketball world. Averaged like nine point two points and like four rebounds. But you watch like five, not even five minutes, like like two or three minutes of his highlight tape from from Florida State, and you're like, this kid could be something. Um, and not necessarily the high ceiling like Pokashevsky, but uh, he he does have a pretty high ceiling, and and I like what he can bring. Now, say the, the Pels do move up to two. Is that is that something where you're thinking it's worth it to get Anthony Edwards to get any other guy at the top of the draft? I'm interested to see if they, get, if they go for Wiseman. I'm also interested, what if LaMelo is there? <laughs> I mean, I Don't mean, start. Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine – Taking a little oh. brother and trading the older brother. Oh my god. Oh. We're even both of, we're even both of them on the same team. I don't even know what I do. Yeah, I don't man, I don't know. You have to bring in the, the third like <laughs> yeah. What's it? Leangelo or something? God. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, he's garbage. Uh, yeah, he's pretty bad. Um I don't know. I'm interested. I think uh I do think Griffin will try to move up. No, I, look, I, I think you make a good point. I, it doesn't the, like Obviously, if you do something with Golden State, there's a bigger plan there. Um, but I think in terms of, you know, it could be a minor move up too, right? Like, I don't know if Patrick Williams will fall to us just because he sort of made almost that Jonathan Isaac, like, jump from last year to this year in terms of, um, you know, he's obviously a freak athlete. And he's one of the guys that I sort of do remember watching a handful of times this year. He's, he's a, clearly a freak athlete. And if I'm not mistaken, his his three-point percentage took a pretty pretty nice jump this year. So, you know, if that's a guy that you think fits with what you have, and we've sat here for the last 30 minutes and talked about how bad we were defensively, um, you know, does he is he the type of guy that can slot in next to Zion, between Zion and Ingram, and, and really pick up the slack as, from a wing defender span, standpoint, such that whenever you do trade Drew Holiday, you can you can focus on really getting somebody that can help you on the offensive end. So, look, it's a good point. I'm, I'm interested. I'm definitely going to go read your article, and uh, like I said, I'll, I'll spend the next probably month or so really getting comfortable with a lot of guys in the draft just because, you know, we've, we've got ammo to move up or back, um, basically do anything we want. So it'll be interesting to see which direction um, Griffin goes. The thing about whoever they acquire, if they decide to go to free agency, if they decide to go through the draft to get a 3 and D guy, or I mean just a defensive guy, he has to be able to shoot. We cannot end up with another Kenrich Williams. We can't do it. We just can't, can't do it. I don't know why everyone is so – it's crazy. I don't know why everyone is so big on Kenrich Williams. I love him. Like, Kenny Hustle, I get it all. He is just He's such 
He's an NBA player, but I mean, he's, he's a guy 10th, 11th, 12th. I mean, he's just not a guy for most NBA teams that's getting minutes. I mean, yeah. I don't really know what else to say. I think one guy that, that would be interesting, you know, from a defensive standpoint, we've talked a lot about the Nuggets and he's dealt with injuries and he shot better really early in his career than he has the, you know, the last year or two. But, you know, Gary Harris is a guy that's a pretty damn good wing defender himself. Um, and, you know, they, they were pushing hard to move him earlier in the year. Yeah. So maybe, you know, if, if something does happen with Denver, he's probably a name that's going to surface just one because his contract helps, um, you know, helps match up things with Drews and, um, you know, he fills a similar – similar spot. I just, it's, it's not a one-to-one trade for me because I think Drew Holiday's is a better no. player. Oh God, no. God, no. <laughs> you can't. Absolutely right. not. No, uh, Elliot, I mean, you, you got to get a guy who can shoot threes in this league, man. Uh, you see it now. The three, the graph, I don't know if I, I tweet out this big graph. It's all, it's all five, five feet and in and all three pointers. So you, you can't, and that's why Drew, I mean, 34, 35% three pointers is just not going to cut it as your two guard. You got to have a guy, unless you're like Jimmy Butler, who's just a dog. Uh, you got to have a guy who can shoot the three. And when you pair both Lonzo and Drew, and Lonzo's so erratic and a roller coaster, and Drew's just a consistent 35% three point shooter, and then you're really bad defensively, <laughs> you're going to get blown out a bunch of times. If we can get a guy who can get up to 38%, and the Pels can change culture to the degree of playing intense defense, at least you know, sometimes as a team, I think that's going to cut it. I, I mean, you, you don't have to be the greatest shooter in the world, but you can't shoot 26% from three and 35% from the freaking free throw line like Kenrich Williams and expect to win in the NBA. You just can't you shot do 35%? 35%. That's just a hair worse than Lonzo, so that's good. Lonzo's at 50, <laughs> Lonzo, hey, Lonzo had a career year this year, 56%, yeah. baby. Yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> it's gonna. It's it, look, and I've 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 told this, you know, to Justin and Stephen a bunch. It, it's always gonna be tough for us to build a good shooting team around Lonzo Ball and Zion. So I, I'm I'm interested. Like I said, I'm really interested in the off season just because you know Drew Holiday, not the best like set shooter on earth, but uh, it, it's gonna always be really tough for us to have a good three point shooting team with those two guys in the starting lineup. If they if they decide I'm not decide but if they go out and get guys that can really hit the three, Zion is such a damn such a good passer. He can be the Giannis, the LeBron types of finding guys at the three point line and really if the Pels get a two guard, a four who can shoot the three uh, and put the put them out there with Zion, I think that could be lethal. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what you got to do with Zion. Uh, put Zion at the five and then a bunch of shooters around him, and you're uh, basically unstoppable offensively. Right, right. One question because it has been a, a topic on Twitter and, and throughout Pelican's Twitter, and I'm sure you guys have seen some of the uh, folks that are very, very, very low on Lonzo Ball and the uh, desire, I guess, the Knicks see him as possibly being, being a franchise <laughs> a franchise point guard. Not necessarily trading him to the Knicks, but the idea of trading Lonzo. And then we'll let you guys get out of here. We've been talking – we could talk Pels for years oh, yeah. on it, I'm sure. Uh, but the idea of trading Lonzo Ball this offseason, what do you think about it? Do you think that there can get anything of value for Lonzo this, this offseason? 
Ross, you go. This is your topic. I'm not going to even I, try. <laughs> so I'm, I'm probably on both sides of that fence because um, I would be perfectly fine trading him. I, I, I don't think you're going to get anything for him. I guess we'll just start there. Uh, I, I, I don't – like what value does he have to another team that, you know, if you go, go around and look at point guards, right, because one – the big decision is coming in a year, probably less than a year. Like, do you extend Lonzo? What, like, what does he want? Um, I, I'm not on board giving Lonzo Ball like 20 million plus a year, but some team no. is gonna some team is gonna offer him that in restricted free agency, and that that's sort of my main reasoning for it's like offer anything of value for Lonzo, I take it because I don't want to be the guy that has to give him 20 plus mil a year next summer, and that's that's like you know. Uh, separate and aside from anything I think about the way he plays, I think he's probably a nice guy. He's very quiet, probably not the best leader on earth. I was a little bit disappointed in his, his like defensive, not effort, but just his defensive wherewithal this year. I thought he was a slightly better defender and there were times when he was really good on the ball, but um, I'm, he just is, he's just not very good in the half court. And, and I think, you know, I think that little shooting stretch, you know, yeah, whatever he shot from three this year, 37, 38%. And I know that everybody got all excited about that. You can just look at his form. Um, you can look at him from the free throw line. And I think you, you can, you can see a player that's never going to be a great shooter. Uh, so it just goes back to me. Like, I don't want to be the guy that has to give Lonzo 20 plus million a year. So from that perspective, like, absolutely. I think we should be looking to move. I think, uh, you know, I mean, I love Zion and Lonzo's uh, connection. They have a really good connection on the long court passes and things like that. But when you get them into a half court set, Lonzo's got to be better. I'm sorry, but your point guard has to be able to attack and finish at the rim. Uh, and that's why I Bare minimum of one missed Lonzo layup every single game. Every I mean, single game. You got to have a point guard that can get to the free throw line, right? I mean, your three-point shot's not going to always be there. You got to be able to get to the free throw line and or get to the cup. When Lonzo's shot's not going, uh, you, there's no other way to score. And that's how you become a threat, right? You, gotta, you can beat him deep. You can beat him inside. You can beat him outside. Like, but Lonzo doesn't have that, and that's what's kind of scary with me. And you can tell that he's almost a little bit of a mental midget, right? So if he misses his first two or three, uh, it, it, it's almost even like a long night. And so I think that's why also mm-hmm. the Pelicans – lost a lot of close games this year, right? So three minutes and in, when it's crunch time, you're up or down two or three points. Uh, Defenses lock in, okay? Who's on the court? We got Favors, Ball, Ingram, Zion, and uh, Drew. Well, we can get off Lonzo. Uh, Favors can't shoot. Zion can't shoot. Now we focus in on B.I. and Drew, and that's why I think you saw B.I. and Drew struggle so much is because those driving lanes were closed off, and Lonzo Mm -hmm. is Lonzo, right? So – I don't know. I think uh, at the end of the day, I think the Pelicans do move from him. But uh, if there is one request, I'd want them to keep Josh Hart. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, Josh Hart's the one guy who plays with intensity every single every single minute. The thing about trading Lonzo, personally, I think just to tell you right off the bat, I think you keep him for one more year and just make that your your decision year. Do, you, do we want to keep him around? And not to the tune of $20 million. There's no way he's going to end up earning that in this coming season. That's just based on what we know of who Lonzo is, what he's done already. He can improve. He can get better. But he's just not going to be that player. And the thing about right now trading him is that his value is so, so low. 
I mean, in those six games I have it here, I think it's the first six games in the bubble, he averaged 5.7 points, seven assists, 5.3 rebounds, and shot 19.2% from three in the first he was awful. Yeah, he was atrocious. So, I mean, I think <clears> – <throat> I mean, prior to the bubble – Again, to reference my, my conversation with Chris Connor, it was basically a done deal. Yeah, we're going to bring Lonzo back. He should be a priority coming back this coming offseason, not necessarily paying him a ton of money, but bringing him back. And, and now the narrative is almost com- – I mean, it's completely flipped on its head because of this, this six-game, eight-game stretch in the bubble. And he was atrocious. He sucked in the bubble. But I think, I think giving him – I mean, even at the very least till the trade deadline – this coming year, I, I think I think that's fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine keeping him until the deadline, but we'll, you know we'll see. Either way, um, I don't think he's going to do anything in the next twelve months. It's going to say, "Ooh, yeah, let's line up to give you know Lonzo Ball a bunch of money and restricted free agency." So, I mean, whenever it happens, I'm I'm you know fine. And even if we just let him walk in restricted free agency, I don't love that idea. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I just don't. I don't. While I'm sitting here advocating for moving him, I just don't think there's like a market at all for him. Right. I agree. There you go. Fellas, I'm going to hit you with a rapid fire before we go to kind of sum up everything that we've hit. I know we talked about it, but I don't think I got one specific name. Who's your top choice for, for a coach for the Pelicans going into this coming season? I'm going Jerry Stackhouse. I'm going to go Billy Donovan. Okay. Who do you think they ultimately hire? Uh, <laughs> that's a good one. I think they hired Kenny Atkinson. That's my guess. Yeah, I, th- I would say neither of the guys we just named. Yeah, right. I, I, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I think that's a safe bet. Do the Pelicans move off from Drew Holiday this offseason? Yes. Yeah. Yeah? Who do they trade him to? He will be traded to whoever loses the Eastern Conference Finals. I uh, still think Denver. I'm going to roll with Denver as well. Are the Saints going to win the Super Bowl? Yes. Okay, I will. You know, <laughs> backtrack. I'm going to. I'm actually going to ask that. Are the Saints going to win the Super Bowl? Yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> hey, fellas, you are the best. This was super fun. We're definitely awesome. going to be talking again here soon before the regular season starts up. I hope to be on PPT at some point in time. Right. You guys can can work it out and and we can get that scheduled. I'd love to do that. Yeah, next time uh, I think next time we host a podcast, we'll definitely get you on, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll go over the coaching carousel and see who's actually right and who was wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like you've done more work than us on the draft so far. So maybe for our uh, for our draft episode, we'll definitely have you on for that one. There we go. There we go, Thanks fellas. Again, <laughs> thanks so much. Go pals. Have a good one, fellas. All right, guys. Thanks, Elliot. There you have it, Pels fans, our conversation with Ross Teveno and Justin Napoli of Boot Crew Media and Pro Pels Talk. If you want to see some tweets from them, you can head over to Pro Pels Talk on Twitter. That's at Pro Pels Talk. You can check out Boot Crew Media. That's K-R-E-W-E Media 
on uh, on the interwebs. And then, of course, you can check out their their podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you're listening to your podcast. And you can make sure to leave a rate and review on their show as well. They do awesome stuff. So if you haven't tuned into that podcast quite yet, you should definitely, definitely do so. Quick reminder before you leave us today, make sure to go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. You're going to be getting all the Pelicans content there. Make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you subscribe, leave a rate and review. Do it! That really helps us out. We greatly appreciate it. And if you want to see more Pelicans coverage, see the article that I referenced, a couple of the articles that I referenced today, you can always head over to thebirdrights.com, SB Nation's Pelicans affiliate. And you can always see some more articles by former guests like Preston Ellis, Ollie Cosell, Chris Connor, David Grubb, Kevin Berrios, and more. Pelicans fans, thanks so much for tuning in today. If you like today's show, make sure to do those things. Follow at LA Club and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much, folks. And once again, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.